it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon is off today, but I'm his pal, Rich Zioli from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD in Philadelphia. And great to be with you on this rainy Tuesday, at least where I am, in the the capital of the world. But hey, whatever you are today, I hope the sun is shining on you. I hope the sun is shining on the information that's being released on Twitter, too. The Sunshine Act, as we call it in government, when they actually have to release information. Well, Elon's just doing that on his own. He's releasing the information on his own, showing us how much the government was colluding with big tech and the media to suppress stories and suppress information. And that part of it is where we begin today on Fox Across America. And by the way, if you saw Jimmy last night hosting for Kennedy, he killed it as usual. I mean, I'm so proud of the guy. His career is just soaring. And he used to fill in for me uh, on Philadelphia in, in the morning show, but he's too big time for that now, which is Huge. Yeah, honestly, couldn't couldn't happen to a better guy. I'm so proud of him. But anyway, he'll, he'll be back with you very, very soon. And I want to hear from you today. So the number, of course, 888-788-9910. All right. First of all, I think that the whole point about the FBI colluding with big tech is being lost in the story. And major, major credit to Miranda Devine of the New York Post for pointing that out. I mean, the FBI was all over this and they were warning Facebook and warning Twitter about Russian disinformation. And that had the effect of when they said, look, in October, something's going to come out and it's going to be Russian disinformation. So make sure you're ready for it in October. They set the stage so that when the New York Post story came out, written by Miranda Devine about the Hunter Biden laptop, they turned around and said, oh, this is it. Told you it was coming in October. This is the Russian disinformation. We warned you about this. But the FBI knew that the laptop was real. They had it in their possession since 2019. They also were spying on Rudy Giuliani at the time, so they knew that he was talking to Miranda Devine about the laptop and about what that very brave Wilmington computer repair shop owner brought to the FBI's attention. The fact that he saw emails on there showing payments from China and Ukraine to the Biden family. So these guys are on the take from China and Ukraine, and now he's the president of the United States. I mean— He doesn't know he's president, but he is president. He's also going to Arizona without stopping at the border, which not to defend him, but he doesn't know Arizona is a border state. And when he's there, he's not going to even know he's in Arizona. So understand that for Joe Biden, these are very, very tricky trips. They really are. I mean, I don't know what kind of pudding they're going to have on Air Force One for him. He'll get nap time. But oh, and he might run again in 2024. That'll be a hoot. If he runs again in 2024, man, just let him play bingo and end it already. But. Going back to the FBI, and think about this for a moment. Think about the FBI working with big tech to set the parameters by which maybe they even thought it was their patriotic duty to suppress the story about the Hunter Biden laptop. After all, if they told them that it was Russian disinformation, they might have said, all right, well, then we got to do our part here. We got to help out. The only problem is the people that owned big tech back then don't love this country. In fact, I think they really hate it. So the idea of them doing a patriotic thing, not so much. But the idea of them doing something to help Joe Biden, 100 percent, they probably turned around and said, well, forget about the patriotic value in all this. Will it stop Trump? Will it help Joe Biden? Then we're all in. Count us in. 
And that's probably how the conversation laid out. So now we know that Twitter suppressed a lot of things. Fauci's daughter worked there, so I can't wait to find out about all the suppression regarding COVID. I mean, you remember back then, if you said the virus escaped from a lab, you were a conspiracy kook. If you said that somebody ordered an undercooked bat burger at the wet market, you were right on the money. And that's what they kept saying to us. They kept saying, no, 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 no. Fauci would come out every day and go, no, 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 it didn't escape from a lab. No, that's ridiculous. Some guy went there and he ordered a bat burger and they didn't cook it fully and he had pangolin sauce on it and bat, the pangolin came together and they made the virus and then he came home and he gave it to his... That's how Fauci explained it. Except we never found the bat, we never found the pangolin, and now we have whistleblowers who worked at the lab in Wuhan coming forward to say, yes, this virus was made in a lab. True story. And yes, it was made with gain-of-function research money funded by St. Fauci. So you understand why the suppression is real. You understand why if Fauci's daughter worked there and Twitter and Facebook were hiding your posts about the lab leak theory at the time. Of course, the theory. Now we know it's really fact. But if you were saying anything about the lab leak back then, they suppressed it. They hid it. And we know why, because the reality is that it made Fauci look bad. He's the guy that funded this. He's the guy that provided the, the Fazuls. So it's on him. He paid for the gain of function research. They built Frankenstein's monster to see what it'd be like if Frankenstein got loose and destroyed the village. And guess what? He got loose. And then they turned around and said, no, 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 we didn't we didn't build Frankenstein. No, that was just he just came to life all on his own. And nobody believed it then and nobody believes it now. But they also suppressed a lot of other things, too. If anybody went out there at the time and said, hey, load up on vitamin D, vitamin D can really help. They suppress that, too, on social media. But now we know that vitamin D, of course, is a wonderful remedy and something I highly suggest in the dark days of winter because you don't get vitamin D from the sun. Unless you're listening to me right now in Texas or Florida, and I'm very, very jealous of you right now because it's sunny there, I'm sure. But otherwise, loading up on vitamin D makes a lot of sense. And recent clinical data has proven the fact that vitamin D3 in particular lowered the COVID fatality rate. Also lowered the COVID sickness rate as well. But if you were saying this stuff in April, May of 2020, you found that the, the tweets were just suddenly disappearing. Where did they go? They just vanished. And that's because they were shadow banning people back then. Then we see something else that happened, and that is in politics, when you do something for a candidate, the candidate is supposed to claim that on their election reports. So let's say hypothetically, you know, I throw a fundraiser for a candidate and I've got all the accoutrements. I got the lobster tails. I got the mushroom bisque, all of it. Technically speaking, whatever I spent on the fundraiser has to be counted as an in-kind contribution because I help the candidate. If I go out there and I... Uh, start putting banners up for a candidate. Now, I pay for that with my own money. I didn't directly write the candidate a check, but I gave him an in-kind contribution. He's got to declare that on the form. Well, Twitter was doing a massive in-kind contribution to Joe Biden and other Democrats, too. By suppressing information, by taking down negative tweets, they were working to help the campaign. No different than if campaign staffers themselves had did it. No, no different than if they had paid for it. So by Twitter taking down those tweets, they were engaging in politics on behalf of a candidate, on behalf of the Democrat National Committee. And in the process of that, they gave the campaign a massive amount of help of an in-kind contribution. 
by taking down actor James Woods tweets and all the other tweets they wound up taking down, they might have helped Joe Biden. And even if you don't really help a candidate win, that's not the point. If you exchange something for value, if you give the candidate something of value, whether or not they win is irrelevant. You've done something. They've got to declare it. So I hope they look into that aspect of the story, too. So you got the FBI's involvement. You've got the in-kind contribution by Twitter to help the Democrats. And then you have the violation of the First Amendment. Here's what I mean by that. I know it's very easy to turn around and go, come on, Rich. This is a first. This is a private entity. So the First Amendment doesn't apply. Normally, you would be correct. However, in this case, it's different. And here's why. Because the government was working with social media to actively suppress speech. And they were doing so with intimidation. They were doing so by basically saying, now, look, we're not going to tell you what to do. But if you don't do it, we're not going to be happy with you. And not for nothing, just saying, maybe we'll have the regulators come and take a look. That coercion becomes then censorship by proxy. Sure, the government's not outright censoring, but the government's making it pretty damn clear that they better do what the government is saying. And so when Twitter then is taking down tweets, they are, in fact, violating your First Amendment rights because they're doing it in collusion with the government. So it's a very, very bad place. And I say, thank God Elon Musk is there. But you realize now why they hate this Tesla dude so much. And they do. They hate him. I mean, they're giving back Teslas. They might be setting him on fire. It's very, very possible. My favorite was uh, the, the woman from Who's the Boss? Alyssa Milano, who, yeah, back in the day and who's the boss was, you know, but but now she's she's crazy and she tweets stuff all the time. And she actually said she was giving up her Tesla to buy a Volkswagen, which is amazing because uh, at one time she thought Teslas were the greatest thing ever invented. And she loved Elon Musk. They all loved Elon Musk. He was the guy that made the electric vehicle popular. He was the guy that made it for the people. Ironically enough, Volkswagen, which is literally at the time was made in Germany by might have had something to do with the Nazis. Anyway, it was the car, the people. And but anyway, I digress. Tesla literally was was the time that you could afford to buy a car. And he made him cool because let's face it, Priuses are not cool. And nobody who drives a Prius thinks they're cool. Unless you're driving one right now, listening to Fox Cross America, in which case I apologize. You have the coolest looking car on the road. <laughs> Trust me. And everybody thinks that about you. But I doubt you're driving a, a, a Prius right now. But if you are driving one, you probably wish you had a Tesla, right? You probably wish you had a Tesla because they look cool and they, they are cool. I mean, Elon did a great job, which is why when he threatens Apple and he says, well, actually, I should say when Apple threatens him and says, we may take Twitter out of the app store. And Elon turns around and says, oh, yeah. All right. If you play that game, I'll build a new phone and my phone will be better than your phone. And I believe him. When he says he built a new phone, I would put my money on him in a heartbeat. Think about it. The guy has saved the space program. Without SpaceX and Elon Musk, we would not be doing all these missions to space. We just don't have the money for it. And with the bureaucracy in Washington and NASA, it just wouldn't happen. So he saved the space program. And if we ever do get to Mars, it'll be because of SpaceX. It'll be because of Elon Musk. That's the truth. And so if he were to invent a phone, I would say it would absolutely crush apples, no doubt about it. And Tim Cook, this guy really, really stepped in it when they asked him, why did you shut off the airdrop feature to help the people in China who were protesting? And he refused to answer. 
In fact, there's that great soundbite. You probably heard it. I think I know Jimmy played it. Of him walking down the hall, and they're all asking him questions. Hey, hey, why not? And I think it might have even been Hillary Vaughn. Yeah, it was. It was Hillary Vaughn from Fox News, and she was asking him, why did you do this? And he wouldn't answer her, which was just ridiculous. So he's really stepped in it in a big way, Tim Cook. And Apple stock is showing the world what it thinks right now. And then you have the White House involvement of all this, of course, as KGP, Corrine Jean-Pierre, the White House Twitter bot herself. I think she is a robot. I'm convinced of it. Anyway, she's out there saying to everybody right now, this is all old news. And then the media mocking and belittling one of their own, Matt Taibbi. Matt Taibbi is not a conservative. He's not a MAGA guy. He was a writer for Rolling Stone, among other sites. And the trashing of Matt Taibbi, because he's the one who exposed Twitter's censorship and collusion with the FBI and collusion with big media. And because Matt Taibbi exposed it, they hate him for it. This is Fox Across America. Your radio buddy, Jimmy Fela is off today. I know you miss him. I miss him, too. But it's me, Rich Zioli, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in Philadelphia. The honor to be in for my friend, Jimmy. 888-788-9910. We got a big show straight ahead. Don't go away. You're listening to the best dad on the radio. Can't believe you forgot my birthday. You're with Jimmy Fela on Fox Across America. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. We see this as a, a, an interesting or a coincidence, if I may, that, uh, uh, that he would so haphazardly, uh, Twitter would so haphazardly push this distraction. Uh, that is a that is a full of uh, old news if you think about it, um, and uh, at the same time, Twitter is facing very real and very serious questions uh, about the rising volume of anger, hate, and anti-Semitism on their platform, and uh, how they're letting it happen. And uh, you know, the president said last week, more leaders need to speak out and reject this. 
It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fela. It is me, Rich Zioli, Jimmy's buddy in for your radio buddy. I'll tell you what, the White House turning around and saying that this is old news when it just came out the day before is rich. It really is. But this is the goal, of course, to turn it around and spin by saying, hey, look, Twitter's full of hate and he's doing nothing about it. See, Democrats love censorship. They really do. I remember the liberals of the 60s. I mean, I wasn't around, but I remember, you know, the stories of them, at least. And maybe you remember them, too. Or if you were in the 60s, you may not have any memory of that, of course. But back then, it was all about fighting government power, was it not? Standing up to the man and being independent, thinking for yourself. And it was also about freedom of speech. Berkeley, California, the University of California, Berkeley, was the birthplace of the free speech movement. It's a true story. They went out there and they fought against university rules that prohibited certain things you could say on campus, certain groups you could belong to. They fought and won that battle. Today's left would love to reinstate all of those rules, and they're working actively on college campuses to make sure that it happens. In addition to that, they would love for there to be hate speech laws. Now, in theory, it sounds good, right? Oh, you say something that that, uh, is hateful, you should go to jail. The problem is, who defines what's hateful? And therein lies the rub. That's why you can't do it. Because in this day and age, if you turn around and you say, A biological female should not have to compete with a biological male in the pool. They'll say that that's hateful, that that's hate speech, because you're standing up for a woman, a woman athlete against a dude. You are being hateful. And they mean that. And they would want to see you silenced. In many cases, they'd want to see you prosecuted for it. I kid you not. And that's terrifying, of course. If you came out during the early days of COVID, if you remember this and you said the virus came from a lab, they labeled that. Uh, stop Asian hate. They kept that was the whole big thing back then. There's a campaign running about it. And they said, we're seeing hate crimes uh, against Asian people because Donald Trump calls it the China virus. And people are out there saying it came from a lab. That was not true. That was all made up. There were no more attacks on Asians. There was that horrible story of that woman in New York City who was killed by a man who was crazy. It had nothing to do with the lab leak. But at the time, Jen Psaki actually tried to spin it that he did this because of the lab leak theory. And that was a complete lie. But, of course, the media is not going to call her out on it. So my point is, when we are dealing with this idea of suppression, today's left loves to silence. They are not the great civil libertarians fighting to defend speech. They are the ones who want to control it and limit it. And they're really upset because now that Elon Musk has exposed and Matt Taibbi has exposed the extent of it and how censorship actually always seems to benefit Democrats, does it not? It always seems to benefit the left. This is always one of those things about it. Whenever I ever hear a conservative or somebody else say, we got to regulate big tech, I always turn around and I warn them and say, if you do that, it will be conservative speech that is shut down. Mark my words, because inevitably the bureaucracy in Washington will amass and do what it always does, circle the wagons and help Democrats. And so they will start defining what is hateful, what is insightful, what is leading to violence. And again, remember, too, the left today says that if you say something negative about somebody, that you're actually fermenting violence. So if you go out there and you say, I don't think transgender uh, women who are biological men should compete against biological women, for example, if you say such a thing like that, something that actually Caitlyn Jenner has said, that would actually be insightful and could lead to violence and therefore could be shut down on social media because it could lead to violence. And they believe this stuff. 
and they push this stuff out there. So, no, it is never a good idea to have more government regulation. But what we do need is reform, and we need it now. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the border, because Biden says he's not going to the border, even though he's in a border state. Why is he not going? Well, Congressman Pat Fallon will join me, and we'll talk about it. Fox Cross America with me, Rich Zioli, in for your radio buddy and mine, Jimmy Fela. We're coming right back. We should be uh, able to uh, to reach a bipartisan, uh, you know, bipartisan agreement on immigration, too. And that's what we're calling for. Right. We're asking for Republican officials to come and work with us and, and let's have a bipartisan agreement on immigration instead of doing political stunts, instead of doing what they're doing, going to the border, not actually coming up with any real ideas uh, about that. Uh, that's where I will leave it. That's what the president is doing tomorrow. He's going to go uh, to Arizona to talk about an important initiative that's going to change uh, Americans' lives, specifically in Arizona. There you go. Just a stunt, right? Another stunt. Welcome back to Fox Across America. Your radio buddy, Jimmy Fela is off today. But it's me, Rich Zioli, from uh, Talker to 1210 WPHD in Philadelphia, where I host the Afternoon Drive show, Philadelphia being a sanctuary city. This issue is very near and dear to my heart. That's why I'm thrilled to welcome Congressman Pat Fallon. Pat represents Texas's 4th Congressional District and serves on the House Armed Services Committee, House Oversight and Reform Committee as well. Congressman, thank you for making time today. How are you? Rich, you are a great American. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas, and I'm doing great. Excellent. Merry Christmas to you as well. And we can still, of course, say that on this program, no question about it. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to ask you, I mean, this first of all, react to what Corrine Jean-Pierre said. Biden goes to the border and he refuses to visit the border. Well, OK, so he's been president, roughly speaking, give or take 700 days. Uh, or nearly approaching that. And he's never been to the border. And the border's worse. People need to understand how bad it is. It's worse than it has ever been. Okay, so Rich, in, 2000, in, in April of this year, there were 234,000 illegal border crossings, which was the worst we had ever had on record. And it was 1,258% worse than the last April President Trump had been in office. And then in May, it was uh, surpassed April, it was 241,000 illegal border crossings, which was 930% worse than the last May that President Trump serves in the Oval Office. So, and, and ever since then, it's been over 200,000 every single month. The border is absolutely the uh, antithesis of being secure. And wanting a secure border, by the way, Rich, isn't a stunt. How dare she say that? I'm disgusted. And, you know, you even have people on the liberal side of the media, which, of course, is all the media mostly, uh, coming out and acknowledging that there's a border crisis. Jake Tapper from CNN actually acknowledging it. Everybody knows there's a border crisis. And what I do appreciate, though, something that your governor, Greg Abbott, has done, something that Governor DeSantis has done, is he's saying to everybody, we're going to share the wealth here. <laughs> You're all going to have a, a stake in this. So in Philadelphia, where I broadcast from normally, yeah, a busload of migrants showed up at 30th Street Station a couple weeks ago. And- And 
and they said, oh, we're here to welcome you with open arms. But they never in all of these years, Congressman, ever offered to take them in. Never. It was only when it was forced upon them, they turned around and said, oh, we're so happy you're here. Yeah, it's a not it's a typical liberal liberal thing, liberal, not in my backyard kind of thing. Right. So I want to talk about two numbers, Rich. three point eight million and five million. So five million is the number of people that have crossed the border illegally while Biden has been president. I mean, these are off the charts record numbers. The Border Patrol can handle uh, maximum 8,000 illegal border crossings in a day because there's certain paperwork that needs to be done. There's a process and a procedure. Some of these people are severely dehydrated. Other people, literally, they die when they cross the border from all sorts of things, dehydration, exposure, snake bites, obviously the cartels, et cetera. The 3.8 million are the 3.8 million people that are patiently waiting in line to come to this country. These are people that are respecting the laws and the rules of the country that they want to become a part of. They're exactly the kind of people that we want here. 95% of them are people of color. So when the left says this, this is some kind of uh, racial thing, it's ridiculous because we're rooting for those kinds of folks that wait the, and do it the right way. But the liberals and Joe Biden and his team never talk about the 3.8 million, do they? No, never, not once. No, and they wait longer. Rich, they wait longer. When you allow mass unlawful migration like this and you're allowing 5 million people to cut the line, those good people have to wait longer. Some of them die waiting. I mean, the average wait time is nine years. Ask those people that have come and waited those nine years. That's a biblical, that's a biblical wait time, by the way. Yeah. If, do, do they? Do they like, what do they think about illegal immigration? And I'll tell you, because I ask lots of them, they're furious about it because they're playing by the rules. And, oh, by the way, these folks, when they get here, these 3.8 million, they're ready to contribute on day one to their communities because they have a skill set that's going to make them succeed in a global economy and a first world nation. These other folks that cut the line, heck, Rich, we don't even know who these people are. Congressman Fallon, let me ask you this, too. I mean, in Philadelphia, we've got a major fentanyl crisis. We've got places that are devastated by all this fentanyl in Kensington, for example, open air drug markets. It became a big issue in the in the recent Senate race. Uh, How much of that is coming over the border? And is that just one of those things people say or can we really say for sure? Yeah, this is this is coming in through the border. Yeah, 100 percent. Nearly every uh, all the fentanyl that's in the United States. Uh, most of it's been manufactured in China, or as President Trump would, Trump would say, China. Right? <laughs> it's, coming, it's, coming, well it's coming from ch- China, and it's transited through Mexico. Now, the cartels are clever and sinister, so they are starting to produce their own fentanyl, but still the majority of it comes from China. And nearly all of it crosses uh, the southern frontier into our country. And it's not a good sign when we start seizing more. I get a lot of uh, hassle on Twitter and other social media platforms from the liberals that say, isn't it great Joe Biden has seized more fentanyl than any other president in history? Go to the DEA and ask them about that, because the more it's seized, the more it's sneaking in. And you can prove that by looking at, unfortunately, the deaths. We had 107,000 opioid overdose deaths last year in 2021. 107,000, 80,000 of those from fentanyl alone. And, Rich, this is asymmetrical warfare. We have to think about it like this. We lost 400,000 Americans during World War II. And if you do the math, it's about 297 a day. We're losing on 107,000 in a year. That's 293 a day. Isn't that a really similar number? And our greatest political, geopolitical foe is producing most of this poison? And Joe Biden doesn't have the guts to talk to Xi about it at all when they meet in person? 
It's disgusting, and people should be, you know, this is pitchforks and torches uh, time, man. This is ridiculous. Yeah, and Congressman Pat Fallon, I have to wonder, too, how, how much of this is coming in through our ports? I mean, China obviously ships so much stuff that they make over there, which is also a sin that we got to deal with as well, including our, our medications. Because my little two-year-old has an ear infection, and, I, you know, I, I hope they have the, the antibiotic that she needs for it because a lot of pediatricians' offices have not been able to get it because they make this stuff over in China. We need to deal with that without question because this is, a, I think, a national security issue. But how much of the fentanyl? issue is coming in through the ports and all the crap that people are buying from China on Amazon.com. Yeah, the, the Chinese, it's, it's, the majority of it's coming in by land, but there are certainly a ports, uh, ports issue as well. And I, I, I just have to reiterate, I cannot believe that they would have, uh, the, the president of the United States wouldn't have the guts to talk to the premier of where really the Chinese dictator about this at all. It boggles my mind. Congressman Pat Fallon is with me. He represents Texas's 4th Congressional District on the House Armed Services Committee and the House Oversight and Reform Committee as well. So speaking of oversight, Congressman, you tweeted out the following at Rep. Pat Fallon. You said Twitter clearly had their thumb on the scale. I'd like to know, number one. Who was Twitter's POC for the Biden team, point of contact? Were Republicans given similar treatment? How far back does this go? Hillary Clinton? Obama, what internal communications were had at Twitter about Hunter Biden? That would be great questions. And we're going to now finally have hearings uh, about just this, because if you sit there and purport to be some neutral town square and really the largest one in the world, largest one in history, and you're not, and you are putting your thumb on a scale and you're colluding, big tech is colluding with the Democratic National Committee, the American people deserve to know that. And it's not like they're some, you know, firm that doesn't utilize the, the Internet is, I think, very similar to the airwaves. I mean, it's just the modern airwaves, really. And you have to hold some standards need to be respected. Um, I mean, when, when I learned that, Rich, 70 percent of Republican campaign emails went to spam on Google Mail. With only 10% of Democratic ma uh, emails, campaign emails, magically going to spam. That's putting your thumb on the scale, man. I mean, and then big tech kept election-related content from social media, oh, about 16 million times just from April to June. Uh, we, this needs to be exposed, and it needs to stop. Yeah, it, it, it's it, and now as a member of the House Oversight Committee, once you guys take control officially in January, you'll you'll really be able to have oversight. And I think and I tell people this all the time. Don't be bummed out about the election results. The important thing is now the Republicans will have the oversight. And in addition to oversight on Twitter, I, I assume you're going to bring in Fauci and try to get to the bottom of the gain of function research. I mean, the oversight powers that the Republicans will have now that you're going to be in the majority is huge. And it's something that gives me a lot of great hope. You know, the umbrella is a wide one with oversight. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Rich, just one thing that you mentioned about uh, the elections and, and having, you know, not being too um, forlorn about it. My goodness. The we if you believe the tallies from 2020, Democrat president, presidential candidate got 7 million more votes than the Republican presidential candidate. Well, Republican candidates for Congress got 3.5 million more votes than the Democrats. That's quite a swing. It's a yeah. 10 million person swing. That's huge. And if we had just done 3% better 
there's your red wave because we would have had 24 additional Republican members and we'd be sitting at 246, which would have been, I think, an historical high or if not right, right up, right up there. So I think we should have a, we're probably going to have a parking space reserved for Tony Fauci outside of the Rayburn building. Also one for Hunter Biden outside the Rayburn building and for a bunch of the CEOs of big tech companies, because they're going to be in front of the oversight committee so often under oath, being asked tough questions. And if they want to, you know, want to plead the fifth, that's their constitutional right. But the American people, we will expose the truth. And that's all we ever after as a member of Congress. I want truth and I want justice served. Congressman Pat Fallon, thanks so much for joining me here on Fox Across America. Keep up the great work. We appreciate it. Thanks, Rich. God bless. Merry Christmas. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Absolutely. We got a lot more to get to here on Fox Across America. Something else I want you to think about, too. Uh, How much do you think the left hates Matt Taibbi? I got some some great comments about what they were saying about this guy, who was really one of their own, too. And if they had a contest now between him or Elon Musk, who would they hate more? Because this is what they do. They respond with just vile hatred. But you also got to hear the little explosive moment that happened on The View today as they were talking about mean women in the workplace. It's a true gem, and you're going to hear it as well. It's Rich Zioli in for your radio buddy, Jimmy Fela. It's Fox Across America. We're coming right back. It's the show that leaves you hungry for more. We'll probably sit around and cook some soup, eat bread and desserts, and just get all fat and sassy. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. This is Fox Across America. Your buddy Jimmy's off today, but don't worry, you're in good hands with me. We got a big show still to come with some great guests in the next hour. Yes, we are going to still talk about the border. I'm excited for this, too. Really excited. Tom Holman, you've heard the name. You've heard him on the show. He's going to be with me. Uh, Yeah, so we're excited about that. Actually, no, he's not going to be with me. I'm sorry. That was my mistake. We made that mistake. I No, he is going to be with me. What am I doing? You know what it is? I'll tell you what it is right now. I have to still host my afternoon drive show later today, but my wife is in London this week, so I'm on dad duty. And when you're on dad duty and you've got three kids, you wind up in this weird parallel universe where the time-space continuum changes because you have to wake up in the morning. you got to get the kids off to school. you got to arrange for the kids to get picked up at school. And then there's piano lessons. There's dance lessons. There's all kinds of things. So time becomes this weird thing. And in radio, of course, we are, we live by time. We're married to the clock. And thank God my parents are here helping today. Mama Zioli is here volunteering her time so they can take my daughter to the pediatrician later to check out her ear because I think she has a little ear infection. Anyway, but yes, at 1.35, Tom Holman, the former acting director of ICE, will be on the show, which is great. And we'll talk more about the border with him. And I'm just happy to be here with you this afternoon because it's so great to be able to tweet in a free and fair space. I know the left wants to have safe spaces. We don't play that game, of course. But think about all the things that they did when it comes to Twitter. NBC's Ben Collins tweeting, imagine throwing it all away to do PR work for the richest person in the world, humiliating S. You know what he's talking about? Matt Taibbi, the journalist who exposed all of this stuff in the Twitter files. MSNBC's Mehdi Hassan echoed a similar sentiment, tweeting, 
quote, imagine volunteering to do online PR work for the world's richest man on a Friday night in service of nakedly and cynically right wing narratives and then pretending you're speaking truth to power. A tech and media journalist named Simon Owens said from calling Goldman Sachs a vampire squid to giving free PR to the world's richest billionaire. Man, what a career journey. Just destroying the guy. And the New York Times ignored the story for over 24 hours until a single article headlined, quote, Elon Musk, Matt Taibbi and a very modern media maelstrom was published Sunday night. MSNBC devoted only three minutes of coverage. CNN covered it for 10 minutes over the weekend. The major Sunday shows on ABC, NBC, CBS and CNN devoted a total of seven seconds to the Twitter files. Seven You can't even do a good ab workout in seven seconds. This prompted Musk to respond as he asserted, quote, I think those people should be looking in the mirror and wondering why they were deceptive. Why did they deceive the American public? And instead of trying to blame Matt, they should be accepting some responsibility themselves for not being truthful to the American public. Yeah, exactly. I mean, imagine a time in America where journalists would actually care about a story where the FBI and and the federal government were colluding to silence you and the FBI was engaged in politics. It's kind of a big story. I mean, the FBI aspect of this, which I want to touch on a little bit more uh, by Miranda Devine, her piece in The New York Post, it's a huge, huge deal. What it says about this country is that we are edging or maybe possibly already in a police state. Because what is the definition of a police state? Well, as I say on my radio show in Philly all the time, it is when the government uses its law enforcement division to effectuate politics. That's the literal definition from the textbook. It's not cops on horseback. It's not crowd control. It's not even when they use tear gas. No, the actual definition, and it's been employed throughout history, as you've seen, is when the government uses the law enforcement department of government to effectuate politics either by intimidating people, either by silencing people, putting out disinformation, taking information off the streets, spying on people, intimidating people, harassing them, and all those things that we've seen done here. And it's very, very troubling. I mean, it's the kind of thing where we won't have a, a, a fair and free country if this continues going into the future. So we got to do something about it, no question about it. And we need to talk more about it, too, and we will here on Fox Across America. I hope you're having a great afternoon, and we got so much more to come. Jimmy's off today, but don't worry. He is uh, having a great day, doing something very special that he's going to share with you when he is back with you. But in the meantime, and for your radio buddy, it's me, Rich Zioli, and for my radio buddy, Jimmy Fela. And uh, this is Fox Across America coming up. We're going to get into the border. We'll get into Twitter. We are also going to get into the economy as well, because have you noticed nobody's talking about it, but Americans are still struggling with inflation. Don't go away. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America. Your radio buddy Jimmy's off today, but it's great to be with you. This is Rich Zioli from 
Talk Radio 1210 WPHD in Philadelphia, where I do the afternoon drive show. Uh, Jimmy's my buddy, also my life coach, my style designer. He's uh, the best, and I'm so happy for all of his success. And I know you wish he was here, and I wish he was here as well. But in the meantime, I want to hear from you. The number, of course, is 888-788-9910. You can also tweet me. I'm on Twitter, at Rich Zioli, R-I-C-H-Z-E-O-L-I. My buddy Johnny says, as bad as the, quote, PR work for the world's richest man sheep are you know, the, the 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 chorus of sheep who just all repeat themselves is that amazing about the media whether you're watching abc nbc cbs or msnbc or cnn they are all literally saying the exact same thing it's so amazing it's either that they cannot think for themselves or they all have the same ear chip in and just one person in some little shop somewhere telling them exactly what to say at the same time. But they all say the exact same stuff. It's amazing. So you have this chorus of sheep out there saying, these PR work for the world's richest man, PR work for the world's richest man, over and over again, trashing Matt Taibbi. And then they turn around they go, and they say, yeah, um, it was also the fact that it was it was just Hunter Biden pictures, his, uh, you know, his junk and him naked with Russian prostitutes and No, no, it was a lot more than that. Actually, it was emails showing payments from China and Ukraine to the Biden family. And at any point, are we going to have a conversation about the United States involvement in Ukraine and whether or not there is something to this with regards to Biden? I mean, is he really doing this out of the the goodness of his heart or is he doing this because Zelensky has stuff on him? I'd like to know all these things. We can't even ask the questions. But the payments from China, which is what former President Trump tried to expose back then during that debate, if you remember. And Joe Biden came out there and he said uh, 50 former national intelligence officials all came out and said this is Russian disinformation. That's what they said. Here is a little flashback for you. This is Jen Snarks, Jen Psaki, the White House uh, press secretary at the time. I'm sorry, not at the time. She was still the campaign press secretary. But she, of course, would become the White House press secretary. Uh, no, actually, this is OK. To, she was. Thank you, gents. So two things she did in 2020, October 2020. When the laptop story first broke and she was the campaign press secretary, she tweeted out the following. Let me share the tweet with you. She said the following, quote, this is again, October of 2020. Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo, dozens of former intelligence officials say. Now, that tweet is still up there with the link to the Politico story. Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo, dozens of former intelligence officials say, with the likes of some of the greatest hits of true monsters that have ever worked in Washington, crushing and quashing civil liberties, Brennan, Clapper, all these other people. We should really be in jail for things. But I digress. It's for another segment. Then, almost a year later, as the White House press secretary, she's still repeating the same thing she said as the campaign press secretary. You understand why it's confusing? Because you would think that almost a year later, she wouldn't be saying the same thing she was saying on the campaign. But she was. She was saying it verbatim. And the thing about it, of course, is since nobody fact checks anything she says, what she said in October 2020, she says in September of 2021. But here's the problem. By then, there were already so many media outlets that were confirming the existence of the laptop. Yet she was saying the same stuff as White House press secretary that she was saying as the campaign press secretary. 
That's why the whole thing is so confusing. You would think she at least would have the decorum from to, to stand there in front of the podium in the White House and, and not say the same absolute lie she said from the campaign, a lie that was repeated over and over and over again by the media throughout this country, that this laptop is Russian disinformation. And it's not. By the way, today on my show in Philadelphia at 4 o'clock, the, uh, lab, the computer repair store owner is going to be my guest. I'm very excited to talk to him. But here's Jen Psaki, cut eight. The president has said, and you have tweeted, that allegations of wrongdoing based on files pulled from Hunter Biden's laptop are Russian disinformation. There is a new book by Politico reporter that finds some of the files on there are genuine. Is the White House still going with Russian disinformation? I think it's broadly known and widely known, Peter, that there was a broad range of Russian disinformation back in 2020. Okay, so repeating what she tweeted out in October of 2020 from the White House podium in September of 2021, even though, as the deuce Peter Ducey said, even though by then so much of this had been confirmed. Ah, but it doesn't matter because the point is Biden won. And so the point is the media helped him win and Twitter helped him win, too. And, yeah, sure, the FBI colluded in all this. And sure, the national intelligence community colluded in all this to set the stage that the laptop was Russian disinformation so everybody would believe it. Lying about it. They knew they knew that it was not Russian disinformation, the FBI, but they said it anyway. They said it anyway because they were doing the work of the Democrats. You remember when uh, Lisa Page and Peter Strzok were together, those little lovebirds, those federal lovebirds, Peter Strzok and his gumata, Lisa Page, and they tweeted out about Donald Trump at the time. He won't become president. We will stop him. Remember that? We will stop him. Well, there were a lot of people working in the FBI and other places within the national security apparatus of government to try to stop Trump. And they did the same stuff in 2020 as they did in 2016. In 2016, it was a fake dossier. In fact, one of the things they did that was particularly sleazy back then was Clapper and uh, the other guy, Brennan, some of these people, they, they had a briefing with Obama on his way out the door about the Russian dossier. That was the infamous P dossier. And it was a fugazi, and they knew it was fake, but they did it anyway to give it credibility. This is the game that they play. They give it credibility by talking about it. See, if it wasn't credible, you'd ignore it, obviously. But why would they brief the outgoing president of the United States and the incoming president of the United States unless it was real? And then somebody leaked it to the media that they were briefing the presidents on this dossier. So the media ran with it and said, well, obviously the dossier must be real. They wouldn't waste the time of the president of the United States and the incoming guy if it wasn't real. So by doing so, you actually give it credibility. Same thing with the Hunter Biden laptop story, but in reverse, by saying that it is Russian disinformation and planting the seed before the story even comes out, you destroy its credibility because it's Russian disinformation. Or you could argue you give credibility to the argument that it's Russian disinformation, but it's the same game by the government using their official letterhead, so to speak, to talk about this stuff or to write about this stuff. Then they make it real. And that's what was happening. Remember, Hunter Biden's name was raised in an FBI meeting with Facebook before the 2020 election, according to sworn testimony by Elvis Chan. He's the FBI agent accused of colluding with social media companies to suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story. 
And Miranda Devine's latest piece is that the FBI wouldn't discuss the Hunter Biden probe after convincing Facebook to suppress laptop stories. So they had weekly election security meetings in October 2020, days after big tech censored the Post story. And don't forget, they didn't just censor the story. They blocked the New York Post from Twitter for weeks. At the time now, the chief of of the FBI's Foreign Influence Task Force, Laura Demlo, asked the question, what can you share about the Hunter Biden case? Chan said Tuesday in a deposition for a lawsuit against the Biden administration by Republican attorneys general of Missouri and Louisiana. The response was no comment. From my recollection, at one meeting with Facebook after the regular agenda had been completed, one of the Facebook analysts asked if the FBI had any information they could share about the Hunter Biden investigation. To that, I recall Ms. Demlo, the head of the Foreign Influence Division, uh, had no comment. She said something to the effect that the FBI has no comment on this. And then, under questioning by Missouri Solicitor General John Sauer, the FBI agent Chan, Elvis Chan, could not recall if the discussion included the laptop in particular that had been the subject of news stories. Asked if they knew at the time that the FBI had the laptop in its possession and that the contents had not been hacked, they said, ah, we have no idea. I never asked her and she never told me. So FBI officials think about it. were warning social media companies that they had concerns about a potential hack and leak operation that might occur before the election, possibly in October, But the FBI had the laptop in its presence, and they knew there was no hacking involved. They knew none of this. And Chan's testimony in court contradicts a previous sworn testimony by Yoel Roth. He was Twitter's head of site integrity, who stated that the FBI had named Hunter directly when warning the company expected should be on the ready for hack and leak operations before the election. Hack and leak operations. Ross said in a December 21st, 2020 declaration to the Federal Election Commission, I was told in these meetings that the intelligence community expected that individuals associated with political campaigns would be subject to hacking attacks and that material obtained through those hacking attacks would likely be disseminated over social media platforms, including Twitter. I also learned in these meetings that there were rumors that a hack and leak operation would involve Hunter Biden. By the way, after he was coked out of his mind, he also had other hack and leak operations, but that's different from this kind of a hack and leak operation. Shown a copy of Roth's statement, Chan said, I would interpret what he said differently. I cannot read his mind, but my assessment is because I don't remember discussing Hunter Biden at any time in the meetings with Twitter that we didn't discuss it. So you have this back and forth, he said, he said thing. But the big thing is this. They said, come October, the hack and leak operation is going to be real. It gets real. And you better be on the ready for it. Be on high alert. But the FBI knew the laptop was real. The FBI knew that the hack and leak operation was made up. It was not real. It wasn't true. The laptop was. The stuff on the laptop was on it. But now you have all these FBI people denying it. But the Twitter people are saying, no, no, they said all this to us. They they said all of this. And the whole thing stinks to high heaven, but they'll never get in trouble because the one thing about the bureaucracy is they'll circle the wagons. So the FBI got involved in politics here. The FBI engaged in politics and gave the laptop life. I should say gave the Russian disinformation story life. They gave that life by just simply saying the words Russian disinformation coming out of the mouth of an FBI agent to Twitter employees. They made it real. 
They made it real. And in doing so, social media companies did their duty to help Joe Biden and hurt Donald Trump, and then they censored it. That's what I mean about the FBI being engaged politically. And you cannot deny that. There's no way to deny it. Even Elon Musk points out the fact that, yeah, the, the, a lot of this stuff that you look at was definitely trying to benefit Democrats more than Republicans. It's no question about it. And I've got some great audio on that note for you, which I will share with you upon my return. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy's off today. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for Jimmy. Coming right back. The show that loves you like a sibling. We'll always be brothers. It's Fox Across America with brother Jimmy Fallon. What Elon Musk has released is evidence of corruption that goes to the highest level of government. It goes to the highest level of the FBI and it goes to the highest level of big tech. We've known for a long time that big tech is censoring conservatives. But what Elon did here is he just laid naked all of the lies that the corporate media has told. This was all about weaponizing big tech. It is absolutely corrupt. And, and what is amazing is the Democrats were fully in on it. The corporate media was fully in on it, and Elon's released the receipts, which shows all of them are willing to abuse power to stay in power. That was Senator Ted Cruz. I agree with him. Absolutely. Uh, do you? 888-788-9910, if you want to weigh in, 888-788-9910. What do you think? I mean, do you think that this is really the goal here, which is to silence you, silence me, because the left is mocking all of us. They're, they're mocking me. They're mocking anybody who dares to suggest that this was collusion between the Democrats and big tech. I think it's real. I think we see it. I think you can look and stare right at it. I mean, maybe you knew somebody who was shadow banned or outright blocked off Twitter. Maybe you know somebody who was taken off Facebook. Maybe you know somebody who was in Facebook jail, Twitter prison, where you said the wrong thing and you were just taken down. A lot of it had to do with COVID misinformation, too. That was a big part of it. Quote, unquote, COVID misinformation. If you question the vaccines or question boosters or something like that, they would also wind up silencing you. And they love doing it. But there was something that was happening here, and it was definitely election interference. Here's some audio of Elon Musk. He talks about Twitter spaces and how Republicans were facing a double standard cut one. It appears to have been a double standard where, um, where Democrats were not censored and, and, and left causes were not censored, but right right causes and, and Republicans were. Um, and it was, and I think this is frankly obvious to anyone who uses Twitter without any expose of Twitter files. It's the behavior you'd expect from a company that is essentially a distillation of San Francisco politics. Yeah, exactly right. San Francisco politics, because that's what I said before about, well, the FBI comes to them and goes, hey, listen, we have Russian disinformation and it may be coming your way. Were they acting in their patriotic duty? No, because the people in San Francisco hate America. So, no, they were acting in their duty to help Joe Biden and to stop Donald Trump. In that duty, they were more than happy to do what the FBI wanted them to do and suppress all this information. More than happy to do it. The very definition of election interference, cut number two. If Twitter is doing one team's bidding before an election, shutting down dissenting voices... Um, on a pivotal election, that is the very definition of election interference. 
I mean, what the hell else would you? Of course, it's like, yes, um, you know, that frankly, Twitter was acting like an arm of the Democratic National Committee. It was absurd. Yeah, exactly right. He also teases that there's a lot more to come. Yes, and I'm excited because I love I love some smoking guns. Give me smoking guns. Smoke them all day. Smoke them if you got them. Cut three. I mean, the, the idea here is simply to come clean on everything that has happened in the past in order to have a, you know, build public trust for the future. I think there will be more smoking guns because the obvious next question is, well, what happened after the election? That's probably the right thing for episode two um, is what happened after the election. Yeah, more to come. Ooh, I like it. I like it a lot. I want to hear what else they have. And I like how they're kind of waiting a little bit, too. Let us absorb all this. Did you notice how quickly the Democrats and the media just dismissed all of this as nonsense? That's the reason why you have to wait a little bit, because we're still dealing with the fact that we have to get the word out about everything that we've already learned, because we're not going to have any help from the media or the left. For example, here is uh, former Republican chairman Michael Steele on MSNBC uh, saying the party line here again, this time about Musk, cut seven. I guess with Musk is to prove that, hey, I'm the right kind of Republican, meaning I'm a Trump Republican. I'm a, uh, you know, election denying Republican. I, I don't know what kind of Republican he is. I mean, probably next year he'll be an independent or a Democrat, depending on how the wind blows. Um, but the re- but the reality of it is uh, putting those things back on the platform uh, it juxtaposition with the argument that he's all about free speech. Um, really undermines the central, some of the central tenets of free speech is that it is, it is about, yes, the freedom of you to say things, but not at the harm or expense of someone else. Oh, please. That's the opposite of what Elon Musk is about. All right, coming up, the border is a mess. We have a crisis, and we're going to talk about it with Tom Holman, my guest next. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fela. Don't go away. The more important thing going on, they're going to invest billions of dollars in a new enterprise. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy is off today, your radio buddy, but I am happy to be with you today. Rich Zioli from Talk Radio 1210, WPHD in Philadelphia, a sanctuary city. So I am really excited to talk to our next guest here on Fox Across America. You know him, you've seen him, and you've heard him on this show, of course. Tom Homan is the former acting ICE director, visiting fellow at the Heritage Foundation, and a Fox News contributor. Uh, Tom, thanks so much for joining me this afternoon. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. So what do you think about what Biden said? I got bigger things to do. There's more important things to do. I think he's an idiot. (laughs) <laughs> Bottom line is, there's nothing bigger to do than the border. Look, we got we got historical immigration that's overwhelmed the border patrol. So seventy to eighty percent of the agents are no longer on patrol; they're in facilities processing. Which means, when seventy to eighty percent of agents are off the line, more women are sex trafficking in the United States, more children are dying in a river, more fentanyl is coming across the border that's 
already killed over 100,000 Americans. More than no one suspected terrorists going across. The Border Patrol's already arrested over 116 since he'd been in office trying to sneak in the country. They got over one million recorded gotaways. How many of the gotaways are known suspected terrorists? I can't think of a bigger issue right now than our national security. Well, he just don't get it. Yeah, he doesn't get it. And it's very, very obvious that Democrats want to pretend like this isn't a problem. I I think, though, as I watch the busload of migrants show up at 30th Street Station in Philadelphia, it's been such a smart strategy by these governors, particularly Abbott and DeSantis, to say, hey, listen, you're going to all share in this. You're all going to share the wealth. You advocate the policies that lead people to come here, like sanctuary cities. Well, now you're going to take some of them. So hopefully people around the country are waking up because up until now it's been, well, we're not a border state. State. We're not a border city. Well, guess what? Yes, you are. And that's why we need to switch the messaging. And and I and I agree with you. It was, it was a genius move because you had Democratic mayors of huge cities and Democrat governors speaking about illegal immigration. So, you know, it, it it pulled the curtain back on this administration. And I tell you what, and I've said it many times in the last few months. I don't care what your opinion is on illegal immigration. When you cause a crisis that this big, where seventy to eighty percent of agents are applying, that's when that's when the known suspected terrorists come across. That's when the gang members are come across. That's when the fentanyl come across. And we all know fentanyl is, is making it into every city, town, and state in this nation. I don't I don't think there's that many Americans who don't know somebody that's died of fentanyl or or soon will know somebody that's died of fentanyl overdoses. This is not a this is not a border issue anymore. This is a national issue affecting every town, city, and state in this nation. You know, the question that I think a lot of people wonder is, is it is it really true that fentanyl is coming through the southern border? Or is this just one of those things that they say on TV to sound dramatic? It's coming across the southern border. I mean, the Drug Enforcement Administration is on record that 95 percent of the fentanyl in this country comes across the southwest border. And why is that? It's because Border Patrol is off the, off the line. You know, the Port of Entries are seizing a lot of fentanyl. state of Texas uh, is seizing a lot of fentanyl. The state of Arizona is seizing a lot of fentanyl. So if they're seizing a lot, how much is getting by when 70, 80 percent of the agents are off the line? Look, intelligence reports clearly say that these ca- criminal cartels in Mexico are pushing a large group of about 100 or 200 family groups to one sector because they know they'll tie up every every main border choice on the line will, will, will deploy there to take care of that humanitarian crisis. And while they deploy to that area to take care of the one or 200 family groups, that's when they move the fentanyl across. That's where they move the gang members across. You, you know, like we already got, I mentioned earlier, one million gotaways. This isn't a guess. This is based on camera traffic, drone traffic, and sensor traffic that is recorded, and the border patrol couldn't respond because they're too busy processing. Now, there's one million gotaways that border patrols arrested people from 160 different countries. Some of those countries are sponsors of terrorism. If you don't think a single one, of that one million gotaways didn't come from a country sponsoring terrorism, then you're ignoring the data. And bottom line, the intelligence reports say they're moving fentanyl through open parts of the border when Border Patrol's tied up. And, and it just, it's just, it's, it's common sense. It, it isn't a coincidence. At the same time, we have historic illegal migration that we have historic overdose deaths. It's related. You can't deny it. Yeah. Tom Holman is with me, former acting ICE director, visiting fellow at the Heritage Foundation and a Fox News contributor. Look, I mean, we see it every day in Philadelphia. You have open air drug markets, Kensington. These neighborhoods are ravaged. It, it's, it's heartbreaking. It really, really is. Uh, over at the Heritage Foundation a few days ago, along with the strongest ever assembled coalition of border security and immigration groups and leaders, you released a signed letter 
calling for Congress to reject any efforts to pass mass amnesty or rearrange lawful immigration categories in the lame duck session. Also to immediately introduce flagship legislation next Congress to secure the border and reduce illegal immigration. What is the administration looking to do vis-a-vis amnesty? Look, they're looking for they're looking for a win before the Republicans take a house. They want to award amnesty, which look the American people need to understand it's not a win. If you go back the last three and a half decades that I've been around, every single time they talk about amnesty, it drives up border numbers. Now here we are, historical immigration, they're going to end Title Forty Two in a few days, which is going to bring more, and now they start talking about amnesty. It's like throwing gas on the fire. They need to focus on securing the border. Look, if that over 100,000 Americans are dead. Over 1,400 migrants have died on U.S. soil. That is a record by fire. More children have drowned in the river. Sex trafficking is at all-time high. If you care about people, if you care about the citizens of this country, if you care about the migrants like you say you care, then secure the border and save lives. Look, when President Trump had border uh, illegal immigration down 83 percent, which means 83 percent less people were crossing the border, how many women didn't get raped by the cartels? How many children didn't die in the river? How many people didn't die of drug overdoses in the country? How many no-inspected terrorists stick across the border because border patrol is all on the line? The, the people need to get their head out of their butts and secure the border and save lives first. This is an epidemic. Over 100,000 overdose deaths? Why don't they address that before they talk about rewarding illegal behavior, which is only going to bring more? Tom Homan, I've long said that I think that the modern-day Democrat Party, AOC and, and, and the likes, and Chuck Schumer now because he's worried about uh, her primarying him in the future, they are all about open borders. I mean, they really believe it as a philosophy. They think America owes the world. We're a terrible place. Years of colonialism, blah, blah, blah. And we owe it to the world. And who the hell are we to say people come here? Well, they all study history because if, if you look at who the United States is, we're the most giving country in the world. We welcome more refugees in this country than every other country combined. That's just a fact. We're the most giving country in the world. And look, AOC and the rest of them can say they have a right to claim asylum. They have a right to due process. And I can't disagree with that. But if you look at the court data, 9 out of 10 will fail. 9 out of 10 won't get awarded amnesty. They won't get awarded uh, asylum because they simply aren't, are not escaping fear and persecution from their home government because race, religion, or political affiliation. They're taking advantage of a loophole. But here's the question you need to ask them. They'll never answer you. So if you believe in due process, okay, we'll put them in front of a judge. But when they lose the case, when 9 out of 10 lose the case, do you agree they need to be deported? Because you believe in, if you believe in the legal process and due process, you must agree with that. But they'll never answer that question. And look, I know it's part of philosophy. Yeah, let's have open borders. Let's, let's live the John Lennon song. Everybody shares everything. The bottom line is it's, it's, it's about political power. They see these people as future Democrat voters, and they don't even have to get there. Uh, you know, Biden over, also overturned the Trump census rule. Millions of these people will be counted the next census. In sanctuary cities, which is going to do what? It's going to result in more seats in the House for the Dems. They know damn well that's what they're doing. They're playing the long game. And I met with a bunch of Republican GOP uh, representatives the other day. I said, if you don't pull your head out of your butts and start taking some action, you're not going to win another election in 15 years. This is about future political power. The Democratic Party perceives a future political benefit 
by letting these people in. And they've already had five million. There's a 1.7 the first year, 2.3 the second year, plus a million gotaways. That's over five million illegal crossings since Joe Biden's been in the White House. Think about that. By the time he's out, we could have 10 million. This is just incredibly – we, we sold out our sovereignty. We sold out our national security. You can't have national security without border security, bottom line. Yeah, well said. Great to have you on the show today. Really appreciate everything you have to offer and uh, keep up the fight. We need it. Tom Holman, former acting ICE director, visiting fellow at the Heritage Foundation, and a Fox News contributor. Thanks for joining me here on Fox Across America. I appreciate it. You got it. And I should also mention, too, one of the things that always amazes me about this administration, let's imagine you have this big bureaucracy, which we've got a lot of, and in, say, committee room number one, they're sitting there arguing with a judge about Title 42. That, remember, is the ability for ICE to kick people out using a public health emergency, COVID. And they sit there and they argue there's no pandemic, there's no emergency, we're getting rid of Title 42. And they're, they're arguing with the judge because we have several states, I think about 15 or 16, where the state attorneys general have all said, we want Title 42 reinstated. We keep hearing about COVID making a comeback, RSV, the flu, the triple-demic, we want Title 42 reinstated. We don't want people bringing viruses and illness into our country. And the Biden administration sits there and says, no, 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 no. There's no pandemic. There's no emergency. Everything's fine. Literally across the hall in committee number two, there's another argument going on with a judge about Biden's student loan debt and his student loan debt repayment. And they're sitting there and they're saying to the judge, your honor, we have been ravaged by a pandemic that is still not over yet. Therefore, we think it is completely constitutional to pay billions of dollars of student loans under this emergency debt relief that had nothing to do with a virus when it was passed by Congress. But we are in this emergency because of COVID, and it's not over yet, Your Honor. And look at the numbers, and we still have a pandemic, and we need to wipe away this college debt. And literally across the hall from each other, Two entirely different arguments taking place. And it shows you how this administration talks out of both sides of its mouth, does it not? Because the question I keep asking is, are we in a pandemic or are we not in a pandemic? What, what's the deal? What, which is it? It depends on the day. It depends on the issue. When it comes to Title 42 and securing the border, no pandemic. When it comes to paying billions of dollars in student loan debt, absolutely in a pandemic. Being ravaged by a pandemic. I mean, really, this is amazing to me, if you think about it. If you think about what we are dealing with right now, at this moment in time, we have an administration that on Tuesday comes out and says, no pandemic. Everybody rushes to tell Joe Biden to zip it, but literally argues in court, we don't need Title 42 anymore. I can't keep track. I don't think they can keep track. And yet somehow, because they have an army of bureaucrats, they manage. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for your radio buddy and mine, Jimmy. And we're coming right back. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. He is one of those iconic figures that fans care about. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You know, the other uh, issue is crime, too. In Philadelphia, where I broadcast from, I saw this uh, guy from Fox 29 tweet this picture out 
So in front of a business in Philly, you got to realize that crime in Philadelphia is out of control. You, you hear a lot about New York. You hear a lot about the subway. And actually, there's a, a proposal right now in New York to deal with crazy people uh, and to take criminals off the streets and, and literally just take them off the streets if they're in, crazy and they need m- mental health. There's also one to ban them from going on the subway again. But we don't talk about Philadelphia enough, and I wish people would, because two things are happening that everybody should be discussing. Number one is an effort to remove the woke district attorney named Larry Krasner. This guy is a cancer on the city. He really is. And the Republicans in the legislature voted to impeach him. The trial now goes to the Senate because he's a guy that helps criminals. He is. He's he's not a prosecutor. He is a defense attorney posing as a district attorney. So Jason Martinez from Fox 29, he tweeted out a North Philly owner says he's had enough violent crime at his gas station. So he's hired these guys to protect his customers and his store. And in the video is a bunch of dudes wearing all black with big, it looks like guns. I And yeah, no, those are big guns for sure. These are some big dudes in all black with a, a face mask on. And it looks like something you'd see in Mexico, like Tijuana or something like that, where they're worried about the cartels. Or, And this is what this guy's walking around the streets. It's like the Green Berets, but with weapons. And apparently these guys, I, I assume, are licensed to carry, which is not hard to do in Pennsylvania because it's a very free state when it comes to guns. And, yeah, these guys are guarding these stations because they've had enough of it. This is what I'm talking about. So he actually tweeted out the question, does does this make you feel safer or uncomfortable? And I tweeted back that it gives me a warm, fuzzy feeling because people are doing something to protect themselves. And that is exactly what I'm talking about. They're doing something to protect themselves and their businesses. They shouldn't have to be in this position, but this is where we are. We're at, at this place right now where we've got so many carjackings and so many crimes and shootings in this city that people are, 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 are terrified. And look, yeah, it's happening everywhere, but we don't talk enough about it. And what's at the root of this? Much like how my conversation with Tom Homan was about the philosophy of open borders, it's a philosophy of these prosecutors that believe, listen, these criminals, they're victims of society. They're victims of capitalism. They're victims of uh, society's largesse and white supremacy and blah, 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 blah. But they don't talk about the fact that the people who are the, the victims most of the time happen to be the residents who are, to use the Democrats' term, black and brown. These are the neighborhoods that are the most crime-heavy, but it's affecting the entire city. And then people don't want to come in and go out to dinner. They don't want to come in and see shows. And revenue falls. And people don't want to come back to work. There is still a lot of people, still are a lot of people who are working from home or working remotely. Or maybe they come in two days a week or three days a week. But you ask them the biggest reasons why they don't want to come back to the office full time. It's not COVID. Nobody's afraid of COVID anymore. Except for the, there are people that walk down the streets with masks on in Philadelphia. I see it all the time. Or they're driving in the car by themselves with a mask on. That's my favorite because it could come through the vents. You know, it could come through the car vents. But you ask them, they'll tell you it's two things. One is childcare. But the second is crime. They just don't want to deal with it. I think child care is the excuse, but crime is the big issue. They don't want to have to deal with driving into the city. They don't want to deal with parking. They don't have to deal with risking getting carjacked. We've had almost 1,200 carjackings this year alone in the city of brotherly love. 1,200. And every night people are shot to death. Every night. And, and every night people go to the hospital because they were shot and they've been, they were lucky enough to survive. 
This happens every day, every night. And the cops, they, they do their best, but there's only so much you can do. You lock these guys up, and then they're back on the streets. They're back on the streets with a vengeance. So the, the answer is to actually prosecute the criminals. But it's not happening. And, this, and New York City is going through the same thing. In New York City, you have a, a, a woke prosecutor named Alvin Bragg. This guy has the same mindset. Don't prosecute the criminals. Don't enforce bail. Get him back on the streets as quickly as possible. And you see what this does. You see what this does to great American cities. And nobody should ever have to live in a place where they have to be afraid for their lives. Nobody. All right, we got a big, big 2 o'clock hour coming up, our third and final hour here on Fox Across America with me, Rich Zioli, in for our radio buddy, Jimmy Fela. We're going to get into the economy because it is the economy, stupid, not you. And inflation is still a thing. Americans are struggling with inflation. So why are we not talking about it? Oh, we will. Mark my words, straight ahead. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, your radio buddy. Jimmy's off today, but it's me, Rich Zioli from Philadelphia, in with you, and great to be with you. I am very happy to be here. There's a lot going on. I just saw on Fox News that the CDC director is now recommending indoor masking, but a new study shows that long-term masking may have adverse effects. I have no interest in wearing a mask, none whatsoever. And unless I'm made to, unless I'm forced to by law, or I have to because it's a doctor's office or something and they won't see my kids if I don't wear one. Otherwise, uh, no thanks. I'm, I'm good. And what do you think? Are you, are you afraid? Are you feeling the fear of the triple-demic between COVID, RSV, and the flu? 888-788-9910. 888-788-9910 if you want to weigh in here on Fox Across America. Uh, but, yeah. That's what we're talking about right now. So I guess, again, the question is, if, if we have to mask indoors, can we enforce Title 42 and deport people because of public health at the southern border? I mean, it just seems to me that if we still have to wear masks because we still have a health emergency, we still have COVID, we should be reinstating Title 42 and not letting people who are sick come into the country. But it just seems to be what would be common sense. But then again, we have an administration that has zero common sense, obviously. Just a couple of things to put a bow on the border. Jake Tapper of CNN admitting that there is a border crisis. Yes, there actually is. I know, shocking that CNN has noticed this. But of course, now that they have a lot of layoffs, they have, uh, I guess it's easier now to pay attention to things since they don't have as many people there in the building. Probably makes it easier to listen to what's on Fox News, for example, because you know people at CNN probably have it on as they try to figure out how they can save that network. Try to try to maybe be more like Fox and less like MSNBC might be a start. I just think CNN is doomed. They dropped headline news, which I actually liked headline news back in the day, but they dropped it. It's gone. CNN Plus was a huge success, as you remember. Lasted 28 days, $5.99 a month, but you had the first 30 days free, so nobody ever had to pay for it because it was it was over before the first month, so nobody ever had to pay, which was amazing. True story about how I met my wife, by the way. I actually met my wife on the dating website eHarmony, eHarmony.com. This is about... 16 years ago, I guess. Yeah, we've been married for 15 coming up. I should know this, right? In August. I'm a guy. We forget. 
But anyway, my wife was on eHarmony for a month, and I was on there for, I think, seven years. I'm not even joking. And she went on one date. It was with me. So she never actually paid because she was still on her free trial when she met me. And maybe that's why she just settled for the first guy she met, because she figured, well, I don't have to pay $19.99, which is a smart move if you think about it. Anyway, this is uh, Jake Tapper admitting there's a border crisis. Cut 15. Just on the matter of the border crisis, and it is a crisis at the border without question, mm-hmm. isn't the okay. larger solution, and I know this is not your issue as oversight chairman, but, but as a member of Congress, it's your issue, isn't the larger solution to security issues at the border a comprehensive bill that updates the laws, beefs up security, and also is able to get 60 votes in the Senate and President Biden's signature, meaning some sort of compromise that includes, includes tougher at the border measures that you want, but, but a, a willingness to sit down with Democrats. Is that not the ultimate way to solve this problem? Well, it, it, it is. I mean, at the end of the day, even though we have a Republican majority in the House, it's still going to take 60 votes to pass a bill through the Senate. Uh, Joe Scarborough and MSNBC also acknowledging that the border is a mess right now. Cut 16. The legal immigration to the southern border is it's crazy right now. If you go to the southern border, there is such a humanitarian crisis down there. The numbers are just unbelievable. And yet a Democrat wins the Senate race. A Democrat wins uh, uh, the governor's race. Mm. Well, Uh, Joe Scarborough does know crazy, by the way. If anybody knows crazy, it's Joe Scarborough. He works at MSNBC. He's on Morning Joe, and he's married to Mika. The man is an expert in crazy. Here's a little thing where this is Corrine Jean-Pierre telling the deuce, Peter Ducey, at the White House last week that Biden has been to the border. Did you know this? Because I didn't know this. That's kind of odd, too. And he is the president, so it's hard to just sneak him in there. It's kind of a big deal when he travels. You may have noticed. A lot of cars and whatnot, planes and, you know. But uh, cut 13. Kevin McCarthy says that he invited President Biden down to the border. How does the president RSVP? (laughs) (laughs) We know know the president's never been down to the border. The possible next speaker says that he wants him to go with him, so is he going to? So, look, uh, he's been there. He's been to the border. uh, And since he took office... When when did he go to the border? Since he took office, the President Biden has been uh, taking action to fix our immigration system and secure our border. There you go. He's been to the border. When? When, though? This is another flashback for you. This is Joe Biden when Jen Psaki was the White House press secretary, and then she claimed Biden has been to the border. I guess if you just say it, it makes it true. You just say he's been there, and then that makes it, he was there. You, when? Ah, cut 14. Do you have plans to visit the southern border? Uh, I've been there before, and I haven't, I mean, I know it well. I guess I should go down, but the but, but the whole point of it is I haven't had a whole hell of a lot of time to get down. But... Uh, I plan on now my wife, Jill, has been down. Why did President Biden say he has been to the border? Well, Peter, uh, as you may have seen, there's been uh, reporting that he uh, did drive through the border when he was on the campaign trail in 2008. (laughs) He drove through the border. He's been to on the border and he also went to the border of Delaware and Pennsylvania one time. So that. That border. He's definitely, definitely been at that border as well. Uh, unbelievable, right? But, you know, we've talked a lot about the border, obviously. We're going to continue to because this crisis is not going to go away anytime soon because the Democrats want the crisis. Today is the Georgia runoff, as you know. 
Herschel Walker, Raphael Warnock. Herschel Walker was on with Hannity last night, talked about the importance of voting. So if you are listening to me and you're a Georgia voter, make sure you get out there and vote for him. This is the only chance Republicans have to possibly get the control of the United States Senate. And I know it's been massive mail-in voting. And I know that that typically favors Democrats, but I refuse to, li- to give up hope here. Uh, cut 17. If you don't vote, you're going to get more Chuck Schumer and also uh, President Biden because Senator Warnock has shown that he's always going to vote with them. And if you vote for Herschel Walker, you're going to get someone that's going to give you a voice in Washington because I'm going to be with the Georgia people. I always will be with the Georgia people. So you got to get out and vote. Uh, it's raining right now, but don't let that stop you. And I, I say this here. I play football in the rain. I play football <laughs> in the snow. I play football in, in warm weather. Right now, it, what matters is getting out to vote because that's the most important thing you can do right now is to vote, vote, vote. Vote, vote, vote. That's it. Raphael Warnock blasted Herschel Walker for Trump ties. This is the latest now, of course. They can't actually focus on his own record or what Herschel Walker would do. Just got to bring up the former president's name. Cut 18. We know that he is Donald Trump's hand-picked candidate. And that uh, he was recruited by Donald Trump and uh, has come to Georgia from Texas trying to represent Georgia while still getting his homestead exemption from Texas. I think the people of Georgia deserve a senator who is going to work for the people of Georgia and not any former president or current president. I work for the people of Georgia. Georgia is better than Herschel Walker, period. We'll see how this goes. Joy Reid is no fan of Herschel Walker. She's the biggest racist on television. She really is. She is an outright racist, doesn't hide the racism in any way, shape, or form. And she basically, every night, just insults Herschel Walker, insults his intelligence, basically has him down as being special needs at this point. And she never holds back by this. Cut 19. There is a certain... Heard this from a lot of black men, even if they're not in Georgia. There's a certain disrespect that a lot of black men in particular feel about particularly the way that Walker has been walked around by people like Lindsey Graham and sort of used and put forward. They don't seem to respect him and they don't seem to respect black people. He's black. Herschel Walker is black. I saw the dumbest story on NPR. The dumb, I mean, this headline, is, <laughs> I can't believe it's a real headline, but it's NPR. It said, the black church versus Christian nationalism is what's at stake in this campaign. The black church versus white Christian nationalism. Let me say it one more time. What's at stake in this campaign in Georgia is the black church versus white Christian nationalism. That's what's on the ballot today in Georgia. Herschel Walker is black. But... I guess that's not really a relevant fact. If you got you got to scream racism here, so there you go. They're getting very very desperate, as you know. I really do hope Herschel Walker can pull this out. If he doesn't, then it's going to come down to the mail-in ballots. And you know, I've said a lot of this on my show. I know Jimmy feels the same way. Republicans need to own the mail-in balloting. They got to own it. It's not going away. It is what it is, as they say in life. You know, what are you going to do? It's here to stay. I'd love it. I'd love it if we replaced everything with paper ballots and you had to go in on election day. And you can only vote on election day except for very limited excuses. But my state of Pennsylvania, 
More and more people now than ever before are voting by mail, and it's not going to change. But it also gives certain advantages, too. You don't have to worry about the guy driving home from work. It's a flat tire, can't go vote. You don't have to worry about somebody who a meeting runs long and they didn't get out to vote. For years in politics, we always spent time working on what was called GOTV, get out the vote. And everything was focused on, obviously, Election Day. So the weekend before Election Day, we'd go out, we'd hand out mail pieces, we'd put knockers on doors. And then we'd have phone banks where people would call people Sunday night, Monday night. You got to get out and vote on Tuesday. Need you out on Tuesday. Got to vote. But inevitably, you'd hear the stories of people that said, oh, I wanted to vote, but my kid got sick and I didn't have child care coverage and I couldn't make it out. Uh, this, that, the other thing. When you utilize mail-in balloting, when you actually seize it and own it, it gives you a tremendous advantage. That advantage is you can guarantee that a voter you need actually shows up and votes, actually shows up and votes what, no matter what happens on Election Day, no matter what externality occurs. A death in the family, bad weather, flat tire, late at work, traffic, whatever it is. And the Democrats are doing this, obviously. They're, they're, handing, they're, they're, they're putting ballots in people's hands, and they are watching as those ballots are returned. You're even allowed to return a ballot for somebody else in Pennsylvania. And they put them in ballot drop boxes. And, yeah, obviously, there's, this is rife for cheating, and a lot of this has to be reined in, and a lot of this has to be reformed. But the opportunity for Republicans to do what they do in terms of ensuring, guaranteeing the vote you need on Election Day is massive. And regardless, it's not changing. This is the way it is. And if Warnock pulls it off tonight, I guarantee it'll be because of the fact of the mail-in ballots. It'll be because of that. And you see how he's telling Hannity, I need you to get out and vote, get out and vote, get out and vote. If you had a mail-in ballot system, the Republicans owned it. And I mean owned it. You wouldn't have to be begging people to show up and vote. You know you got your votes in. You utilize, you, you shift all your resources from trying to get everybody out on the first Tuesday after the first Monday of November, and you, you have them sign it weeks before. Makes a lot of sense, and I, I hope the Republicans will wake up to this fact. All right, it's Fox Across America. We're just getting started, even though the show is coming to an end at 3 o'clock. Your radio buddy Jimmy Fela is off today, but it's me, Rich Zioli, in for Jimmy, and we're coming right back. This thing is going to become gargantuan when the Son of Man comes. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fela. across america with your radio buddy jimmy fela your pal but jimmy's off today but it's great to be with you a fellow friend of fela and you can follow me on twitter at rich zioli i will be starting my show in philadelphia promptly at 304 ish and i'm excited to spend time with you this afternoon americans are struggling with inflation it's a big deal and we're going to talk about it with a great guest coming up a little bit later in the show eh, like 235 ish 235 ish katrina campins fox business real estate contributor host of mansion global on fox i love that show by the way so uh i, I watch it with my wife my wife's a big real estate fan she loves the real estate and, you know, happy wife, happy life. It's not that complicated. It's actually one of the easiest prescriptions I can give you. And when the time comes that producer Mike finds the right woman, and it could be any moment now, right, Mike? I mean, it could be today. It could be tomorrow. Uh, when you get married to her, 
And that could take years. And I hope you wait a long time, long as possible. Just remember, hey, happy, wife, happy <laughs> life. All right? It's All right. the wisdom I impart on good. you today. Wait, but uh, you said married to who, though? I thought you were uh, <laughs> referring to a specific person. For no, I don't have like a, like a mail-order bride for you or anything like that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying when the time comes, Mike. You, you have my attention for a second, Rich. <laughs> Just take your time. Enjoy this. This is. Uh, but you had a date over Thanksgiving break. How'd it go? Uh, it went well. It went well. So, Are you yeah. getting a second date? Um, it's complicated. <laughs> that's a no. Yeah, <laughs> Thanks, that's, Josh. That's a no. <laughs> By complicated, of course, he means uh, no. Maybe. <laughs> is she in the witness protection program out of the country? Why? Why is this uh, even an issue here? Uh, I don't know how much I can really say on the. <laughs> I All right. Just fair accept you were ghosted, and you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. I mean, not great. I mean, you're a great guy, and she should uh, wise up. That's what I would tell her. It's not easy, I'm telling you. I tell my wife all the time, just promise me I'll never be out there again. It's not easy. That's for sure. And then you got a date, and dating's expensive. Did you pay on the first date or just split oh, it? Of course. The guy's always got to pay, yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. I'm old-fashioned like that. But it adds up if you're going on a lot of first dates. Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> and with inflation right now under this president, dates are more expensive than ever before, Mike. Oh, yeah. I mean, of course. I mean, everything's more expensive. Even uh... mail order brides. Yes. Ma- more expensive now than ever before. And uh, drinks, as Josh and I found out the other night at the Barclays Center. How much did you guys spend the other night on a drink? What, what's the going rate? Let's just say he was giving me maybe half of what he actually owed. <laughs> he was really? way short. I mean, th- these wait, were wait, way th- short. these were stadium prices plus stadium yeah. prices. Yeah, yeah. I went you to the link the other beers. night. Took my son to the Eagles game, and the value you could get the special, you know, combo platter. It was a Miller Light and a hot dog, and it was I think twenty six dollars for a Miller Light and a hot dog. Jeez. Not it's Oof. not even a gourmet hot dog. It's not you know. I mean, it's not a Dodger Watson, dog, It's good, you know? but it's not you know. It's not Kobe beef. Not not at least a, like a foot-long hot dog? Not even a foot-long oh, hot dog. come on. This is what I mean. The struggle is real right now. So I would not want to be in a first date. You may have to start splitting the check, Mikey. You may have to do it. Yeah, well, you know, certain people be okay with that, but, you know. Probably. <laughs> do it in the name of equality. It's fine. Feminist, yeah. yeah that's exactly <laughs> yeah. right, Josh. You do it in the name of equality, and then you're covered. Then that's, that's your get-out-of-jail-free card right there. Hey, I don't want to be a sexist and assume that uh, you couldn't pay. So here we go. But we are struggling with inflation, and we're going to talk about it coming up next. I've got some new statistics for you. And why is it that suddenly the issue of the economy has gone away? Have you noticed that? It's no longer a thing, apparently. Is this a little trick by the Democrats? We'll break it down. It's Fox Across America with me, Rich Zioli, in for your and my radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon, coming right back.
Welcome back to Fox Cross America with Jimmy Thaler. Jimmy will be back very soon. But it's me, Rich Zioli, hanging out with you this afternoon. Thank you for hanging out with me. I appreciate it very, very much. So why are more people not talking about the economy? It's a big deal. Americans are still struggling with inflation, especially as we're getting into the holidays right now, and prices on everything are soaring, like Christmas trees, for example. Well, here to talk about it with me, I'm very excited to welcome to the show, Katrina Campins, Fox Business real estate contributor and host of Mansion Global on Fox Business. And Katrina, I have to tell you, absolutely one of my wife's favorite, favorite shows. So it's great to talk to you. Oh, wow. That's exciting. Well, I love your wife already. <laughs> that makes two of us. Uh, no, it's great. And you got a new episode coming out when? So tomorrow night we have a new episode and we have back-to-back episodes. So the show airs on Wednesday night's primetime at 8 p.m. And then we have basically two back-to-back episodes. And tomorrow night we're going to a house that has its own vineyard. So how cool is that? In oh, man. Texas. Yeah, amazing. It's actually one of my favorite properties. And then it has guest homes. It has, you know, a whole area for the kids. But the vineyard is definitely amazing. And then it has, like, this area in the front. Everybody's working from home nowadays, right? So it's so difficult to work from home because, I mean, you have kids. You know, the kids are screaming. You're trying to get stuff done. So these people have an office at the front of their property, which is amazing. And then they just golf cart back home when they're done. So And then they drink wine along the way. So, I love these people. Dream. These people might be my heroes. Honestly, when I went to their house, I'm like, I want to be friends with you. Like, forget about <laughs> the house. I want to be friends with you. <laughs> yeah, what kind of wine? Did, did you figure out what kind of wine they make in their vineyard? I know it's red wine, but I didn't get that much into the details because, honestly, I probably would have been very fixated on it. But, no, they actually – I think they're they're – they're going to have – they planted them. And what's really cool is it's called Eight Oaks because they have eight children combined together. So hmm. it's kind of like a modern-day family. So that was really cool. And then we're also going to Florida, of course, because Florida's on fire. So we're going to um, an area called Golden Beach, which is like right around the corner from where I grew up. And it basically is like a hidden gem that a lot of people don't know about. But you have these extravagant homes, amazing entertainment spaces. So we're going there. We're going to North Palm Beach, which is another area. People are always here about Palm Beach. But what about North Palm Beach? It actually has some of the best fishing in the world. So it's a little hidden secret that we're going to reveal tonight. Yeah, no. I, night, that, I should say. I'm getting excited. I'm getting ahead of myself yeah. tomorrow night. <laughs> that sounds great. Uh, question then, is it uh, east coast or west coast of Florida? So, well, the North Palm Beach area is the east coast. That's so east coast. Beach, that I know. Yeah. But the other yeah. one. Oh, Golden Beach is actually on the east coast, too. So are you familiar with Miami or not? Uh, of course. Listen, that's where I party. Oh, everybody says that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is actually, so if you're familiar with Miami, June, um, it's right above Bow Harbor. So people are familiar with Bow Harbor shops. It's iconic. People go to their shop, luxury brands. This is an area right next to that, and it has a lot of single-family homes. And so we're going to show these extravagant entertainment spaces. So that'll be exciting. Excellent. We'll definitely tune in for that. Yeah, palm trees and, and the best governor in the country, Ron DeSantis, no doubt about it. Uh, well, no doubt. we all can't have mansions, obviously. A lot of us are still just trying to get by, and a lot of Americans have it even worse. They're, they're, they're really struggling right now. New Gallup survey released today. 55% of Americans are experiencing financial hardship due to inflation. Uh, we got our Christmas tree the other day, Katrina. I could not believe 
how expensive the tree was. Went to a, a, a little local farm area because I want to buy a real tree. I don't want to buy a plastic one made in China. Want to help out the local farmers. But I spent uh, almost $110 on this tree, and it's not even that tall. It's maybe six feet. You know what I mean? Wow. Wow. See, that's the thing is, is that the price of everything has gone up and it really breaks my heart because even when you go grocery shopping, you know, I remember and I'm a big fan of Aldi. My family teases me that I should reach out to them to be their spokesperson because I'm like, guys, if you do a spreadsheet and you compare like Aldi, you know, grocery shopping with all these other places, it's much more economical, but everything has gone up. So you go to the grocery store and for a hundred bucks, you can't get much. And the fact that a six foot Christmas tree is that much money is I haven't gone Christmas tree shopping yet. So thank you for that. Um, I'll be aware, but it's just, just chop one down in your backyard if you need to. Well, but that's the thing with Florida. We have palm trees. So <laughs> Even better. <laughs> I turn my palm trees and decorate them. You know, people are like, Florida, Christmas, what's that like? It's hot, it's muggy, but it's Florida, you know? <laughs> but yeah, the cost of everything has gone up and it really, I mean, education, healthcare. One thing that really stands out to me is my parents, you know, are first generation Americans. They came here from Cuba at a very young age. They've worked their whole life for everything. They're the epitome of the American dream, you know, and now you know how much they're spending per month on medicine? $3,000 per month on medicine. Oh, my God. Medicine. Yes. So that to me is like, you know, it's shocking that they're retired, but they really can't retire because of the cost of medicine. So healthcare for people that have worked so hard in this country, it breaks my heart. It really does. And I see so many people of older age struggling with that. Um, and that to me is one of the major factors um, that inflation has caused. And it doesn't even make sense. You know, it just doesn't make sense because people are entering this country illegally and then they're getting free health care. It just that's a whole other topic. But, you know, it doesn't make sense But the cost of everything has gone up because of inflation. And a lot of people obviously are hoping that with the interest rates going up, that that's going to help housing. And I think that slowly but surely it will. But I think policies need to change. Um, so and rent prices, the good news is that rent prices are beginning to slow down a little bit. So that's good light news. at the end of the tunnel for that. Yeah, that's 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 very good news, actually. Katrina Campins, Fox Business real estate contributor, host of Mansion Global on Fox Business. What was surprising about this survey is that even upper income residents have experienced financial hardship in the past year. Forty two percent of the respondents reported financial hardship, which is up from 28 percent last year. And obviously, then that means and what worries me is that a lot of these people might start pulling back on their spending or their traveling. You know, you talk about what Christmas is like in Florida. I took the family last year for a trip down to Cape Coral for a week and we had a great time. We rented a house. We were swimming in the pool. Loved it. But a lot of people this year might might be pulling back on on doing stuff like that because it's so expensive mm-hmm. and the airfare is still very expensive. Um, it could be a real problem for us. Absolutely. And I think one of the biggest problems with airfare, too, is that people, they can't find pilots. You know, I've encountered that because I'm now filming the next season of Mansion Global. And it's amazing how many delays there are. And they just can't find pilots. The cost of everything has gone up. You know, the cost of gas, obviously, and fuel um, has gone up. And so I think a lot of families are probably going to choose to stay at home as a result of that this year. And, you know, with regard to housing, housing has definitely been influential because it's the largest component of the CPI, you know, when they're calculating all of these all of these statistics. And tenants' rent made up 7.4% of the CPI in September and owner's equivalent rent, which measures like homeowner's cost, made up of 24%. So, you know, shelter is a huge component of where people are spending their money and food. So I think mm. those are the two things, which leaves less 
discretionary income for traveling, which I think we are, to your point, going to see this Christmas, you know, these holidays. But then I saw a story the other day, Katrina, that American uh, Americans are still spending a lot on, on Christmas presents and that sort of thing, which I think is a great sign if that's actually the case. But is is that matching up with what you're seeing? You know, I'm not really seeing that um, as far as, like, people spending tons of money on gifts and everything else. I'm not really seeing that. I'm seeing people be very cautious, even the wealthy, you know. So, obviously, inflation affects everybody. But I'm even seeing, you know, the wealthy are not really spending as much discretionary income on luxury products, if you will. Um, They're just watching to see what the markets do. Let's also not forget that the stock market has taken a hit, and that's basically, you know, people's portfolio. This is people's retirement. So that definitely had a huge effect, if if not financially, psychologically as well. On people, I think people are waiting to see what what occurs, um, and as a result of that, being more careful about what they spend, you know, their money on. And I think also teaching children. This is a great time to also instill this in children. Is like, you know, if I have a five year old, I'm like, he tells me he wants, he has 200 dinosaurs, and every day he wants a different dinosaur. I'm like, well, how much do you have in your piggy bank? Because these Jurassic Park dinosaurs that they're promoting left and right, you know, are costing X Y Z, and so you have to work for that. So it's also like a, I think, a great opportunity to teach our younger generation. About the value of a dollar. I think that's great, Katrina. I have an eight year old, a six year old, and a two year old. And it's uh, my son, my eight year old, is now at the point where he actually for Christmas asked for a wallet because he got some birthday money and he wants to open a bank account. And I said to my wife, I said, great, let's do it. Let's start teaching him about that. Because, yeah, it's understanding the value of money and understanding that things cost. There's actually a value to them. I I think it's it's a really important lesson to teach them. So kudos to you for doing it at five. I wish we had started sooner, but I guess there there never really is a, a, a bad time to start teaching your kids about money and what it means to be financially responsible, right? It's so important. And in fact, my sister has three kids as well. And when we all get together for the holidays, which we'll do this year again, is it's interesting. My brother-in-law plays Monopoly and my sister has a two-year-old. And even she gets in there and like, you know, swaying money around, but it's a great way to, to teach them, you know, and also the how do we invest in real estate? You know, yeah. my nephew, which is nine years old, I mean, he beat me at Monopoly because he took over all the real estate. I'm like, you go, you know, you go, you're on the right track. So it's a, it's really a great way to teach them the value, you know, of a dollar. And I think that in the school system, it's so necessary to do that. They're not doing enough of that moving forward. But it sounds like your your children are on track. You know, and they know well, we play the uh, the Super Mario Brothers edition of Monopoly. My son crushed me because he got Princess Peach's <laughs> castle and uh, he bought, I think, Bowser Lane or something like that. So he was a, I mean, he crushed me in Monopoly. It's a good life lesson. I agree with you, Katrina. Absolutely. Listen, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. Tune in tomorrow night for a brand new episode of Mansion Global. I'm so jealous of these people, their own vineyard Fox business and on Twitter at Katrina. Katrina Campins, thanks so much for joining me here in Fox Cross America. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me and send your wife my greetings as well. She will love to hear from you and have an awesome (laughs) holiday season, okay? Thank you. God bless. God bless you. Appreciate it very much. All right, we got a lot more to talk about here on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, with me, your buddy Rich Zioli with you. Yeah, that Christmas tree. 110 bucks, but worth it because I really do believe in the real Christmas tree and I'm I'm all in. You know, we decorate, we go poinsettias, we do it all and we say Merry Christmas and we do the whole thing.
But it's it's nice. It is very, very nice as long as I can make sure that uh, we don't go completely broke. <laughs> so, you know, hope that Elf on the Shelf delivers. It's all I can say. We'll be right back. Jimmy Fallon. Nice kid, but a little dumb. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. As we uh, round out the show today here on Fox Across America, thanks for letting me hang out with you this afternoon for your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon, who crushed it at the Patriot Awards down in Florida, his stand-up set. And last night hosting Kennedy and all the great surprises he's got lined up coming up. So I am thrilled uh, for all Jimmy's success. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy, truly. And he works really hard. And um, I know he loves being with you every day from 12 to 3 right here on Fox Across America. So, yeah, we got a lot more to talk about, though, until the show is over today. I wanted to play this clip for you because on The View, you know, things don't always go that well on The View. They had a segment on toxic femininity after James Cameron was whining about toxic masculinity and testosterone being a problem. And I have to be honest with you, James Cameron's best days are behind him. Terminator was awesome. Terminator 2 was great. But the the Avatar, it's all climate change propaganda. I'm not interested in the least in watching it. But nevertheless, he went on TV and he whined about testosterone being the problem and saying that he's glad that testosterone has basically left his system. I mean, he pretty much said that. He's glad he's testosterone-free going into 2023. But over on The View, when they had their segment on toxic femininity, it didn't go very well because Anna Navarro is on there. Anna Navarro is a Republican political operative, even though I have worked in Republican politics my entire life till I get into talk radio. I've never met anyone, anyone, anywhere who's ever hired Anna Navarro to run their campaign. So I don't think you could be a Republican operative unless somebody actually hires you. And I I just think it's false uh, advertising. But nevertheless, they had this conversation on The View about this, and Alyssa Farrah Griffin uh, called her out because she was trying to make a point. And, well, this happened, cut 25. We've come a long way in kind of critiquing some of the the male practices that are not helpful and that needed to be called out. And I think that women have made a ton of progress, but we can also be each other's worst enemies. It's still the case, and I hate to say it, some of the worst bosses I've had have been women and sometimes colleagues in the workplace who are women. And I always think of the Madeleine Albright quote. That's what happens when you work with Kellyanne Conway. I mean... Get a word in without you attacking me, so I wouldn't say this is a totally different. This isn't like a totally different environment of women supporting each other. Boom! Look at that. Uh, Yeah, that's the view. It doesn't always go pretty on that show, that's for sure. I think what it really comes down to is that show is uh, painful, and your brain hurts after you listen to it. It really does. It hurts. But you know something? Do you remember Michael Avenatti? He got. 14 years in prison and nobody in the media is talking about it but boy did they talk about avenatti back in the day did they not oh they loved him michael avenatti was the second coming this guy was going to become president he was going to save us from evil trump we have two montages for you let's start with cut 28 
You got lucky tonight. We're back with attorney Michael Avenatti. He is a main player. Sitting beside me right now. I'm not going to let you cheat. You, you have to guess. Uh, and hint, his name is Michael Avenatti. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think you're doing a hell of a job. I don't think you're in this for money. To me, you're like the Holy Spirit. You are <laughs> the Holy places oh at all times. He's out there saving the Look, country. You know what? I'm, he's a rock star, I think. It'll be interesting to see his next check. Absolutely. Michael Avenatti for president in 2020. He's Donald Trump's worst nightmare. Michael Avenatti. Existential threat to the Trump presidency. Please welcome attorney Michael Avenatti. Looking ahead to 2020, uh, one reason why I'm taking you seriously as a contender is because of your presence on cable news. I wrote about this saying you're currently leading the pack among 2020 contenders on, on the Democratic side. What do Democrats value most? If they decide they value a fighter most, yes. people would be foolish to underestimate Michael yeah. Avenatti. Michael Avenatti is a beast. Okay, that's true. And he, he's a beast. He's a beast, and he keeps popping Donald Trump and all of his folks in the mouth repeatedly. He's a beast. Yeah, look at that. He's a beast. And here's another little montage of the media fawning over him. Cut 29. Joining us once again is Michael Avenatti. Let's bring in Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti, thank you very much. John Meacham says he may be the savior of the republic. You are something of a folk hero now. I owe Michael Avenatti an apology. I've been saying enough already, Michael. I've seen you everywhere. What do you have left to say? I was wrong, brother. You have a lot to say. I uh, am just dying to hear what you think. These people all like you. I'm the only person right here. Donald Trump fears more than Robert Miller. We think you guys are the tip of the spear that's going to take down Donald Trump. I hand it to her and I hand it to Michael Avenatti. But he has a great, bigger calling here. That being a lawyer is minimal compared to what he's doing. No one has talked tougher directly to Donald Trump on TV than Michael Avenatti. And Donald Trump is afraid to mention his name. That's That was crazy, Larry. Crazy Larry O'Donnell. All right, we got to wrap things up here on Fox Across America. Thanks so much for hanging out with me. Your radio pal, Jimmy Fallon, will be back with you ASAP. But in the meantime, it was great hanging out with you. Thank you. I am on Twitter at Rich Zioli, broadcasting live out of Philadelphia every day. I hope you have a great day. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. All of it. I'll talk to you again soon. This is Fox Across America. Thank you. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.